everyone, welcome to Respawn Aim Fire Spoiler Chat for God of War Ragnarok. We are the Kick-Ass Irreverent Gaming Podcast brought to you by Affable Idiots. As we just mentioned in the title, yes, this is a spoiler-filled chat about God of War Ragnarok. There will not be any non-spoiler section that then turns into spoilers. So if you are here, you're already being spoiled, well, by the screenshot that's on the screen right now uh, from the literally the last shot of the game. So get out. Or if you're Brent, stick around because we can't tell you what to do, apparently. Uh, hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chad Michael Ennis, the creator of Sin. I forgot to put something Whoa. in the middle of the name, so then I got thrown off throwing something at the end. We've got our other co-host here, Adam Gumbert, the lint collector. <laughs> you know me. I collect lint and kill the gods that produce the lint. Yeah, all that Thor belly button lint. I bet Thor's got a lot of belly button lint. And our RAF regular, who will be leading us today, he's leading the discussion, I'm going to throw it over to you, Alex Kozina, a.k.a. The Boy Wednesday. <laughs> you, you, you could have just made a soup joke. I was a thousand percent expecting you to just make a soup joke. That would have been so easy. Ah, Got to keep it fresh. Can't become predictable. Yeah, just like soup. Just like fresh soup. <laughs> just like predictable soup. <laughs> All right, Alex, I'm going to officially turn the rest of the podcast over to you. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, this is Respawning Fire's official God of War spoiler cast for the video game God of War that was released in the year 2022 on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5, although I think we all played it on the PlayStation 5. Uh Let's get right into it. The way that we're going to do this is we're going to share our kind of top level thoughts right up front. And then I have uh, prepared for us a kind of like chapter by chapter breakdown of what happens uh, in each sort of mainline quest in the game. And we can kind of individually go through each chapter and kind of talk about our individual thoughts on it, what we liked in them, what we didn't like in them. And then we'll close things out with any thoughts that we want to share on the game side quests and any thoughts that we have on just the game in general we haven't stated yet and where we think might things go next where we think things might go next sometimes you, you say two words close to each other that sound kind of similar your sentences get a little bit scrambled okay ladies and gentlemen at the end of the previous responding fire podcast i said that this game was a very good god of war game a great sequel to God of War 2018, but kind of a mediocre Ragnarok game. And I feel like I should elaborate a little bit on that. I think this game is a great sequel to the God of War series in a whole, uh, in terms of how it kind of brings around Kratos's character arc, how it sort of concludes and addresses a lot of its sort of past grievances and sins, and manages to kind of like carving new path forward for him, potentially, as a hero of the people of Norse mythology. And I loved how just sort of exploring the game, how many more references there were to the original God of War games, even a few references here and there to the PSP God of War games. It felt like it was much more interconnected to the God of War games of yore, which I really appreciated because playing through 2018, there were definitely moments there where I was like, this game feels very kind of incidentally connected to the previous trilogy of games outside of like, you know, the moments where you encounter Zeus's ghost, for example. Uh, again, I think it's also a really good sequel to God of War 2018. I feel like the game does just a really, really good job of following up on 
Kratos and Atreus's relationship kind of like evolving that uh, the dynamic that we previously had in that game and providing a reasonable justification as to, you know, why it is that Atreus is trying to kind of grow into his own man, trying to become independent, and why at the very end of the game, spoilery spoilers, uh, he would ultimately choose to leave Kratos. Not uh, for, you know, downer reasons, but, you know, for amicable reasons. But Loki terms of will being... go, but Atreus is here. Atreus yeah. doesn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little, we'll, we'll get to that line uh, as we kind of get into this review. Um, as a Ragnarok game, though, I feel like the game was a little bit lacking. And when it comes down to it for me is that I just feel like the game spent a little bit too much time kind of debating on sort of the nature of conflict and war, whether or not it was a good idea to go to war or not, that it just got a little bit too wrapped up in all sorts of distractions and I feel like did not devote enough time to the sort of central core conflict of Ragnarok. Ultimately, I wasn't expecting like Ragnarok itself to be like a super huge component of this game. I think it ultimately makes sense that Ragnarok is basically just the final chapter of the game. I think if it had been two, three chapters, eventually it would have gotten to the point where it was like, oh man, this is really being dragged out really long and this is really tiring. But it is disappointing that like so much of the events leading up to the titular event happen off screen, that so many characters and factions get recruited uh, entirely off screen by other characters' actions. Uh, I tweeted this out immediately after I beat the game and I kind of stand by this. I think that this game definitely could have taken a few notes from the Mass Effect games, namely two and three, in terms of how to, you know, tell this sort of micro story about characters and interpersonal relationships, but also a big macro story about people coming together to take on this big conflict at the end of the game. Uh, not to say that I think that Mass Effect 2 or 3 are better than this game. I, I think that this game is still an exceptional product. And like, honestly, if I were to rate it out of 10 out of 10, I'd probably still give it a 10, all things considered. But that is just where I stand. What about you two? I, um, I, when I was halfway through this game, someone asked me, Brent, B Rent Music asked me, Chad, how does this compare to 2018 God of War? And at the time, I honestly didn't know which one I was going to like more. I was like, you know, I want this to be better, but I, I'm kind of feeling like it's a little bit too big in scope. What I really appreciated and enjoyed about 2018's God of War was that it was this intimate tale of Kratos figuring out how to be a single father uh, when normally that was something that mom took over and he just kind of did the the fatherly duties around the house. And so that was, and that's all it was. And your goal was get these ashes to the mountain, to the tallest peak in the realms. And it wasn't go kill a thousand things and prevent the apocalypse. and all that. So th when this one started and it, and it opened up and it was such, the stakes were so much higher. It was, you know, the end of the world. Everyone's going to die. There's this Ragnarok thing that's going to destroy the realm. Like all of this was so huge in scale. And there were so many more characters being introduced. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I like it as much. I don't know if it's as tight of an experience and story as it was before. So that's where I was like halfway through the game. But I was like every other aspect of this game from a technical aspect, from the way that it runs, from the combat, all the uh, all the upgrades they made with the way combat works and traversal. Like I was like, this game is just like a better game for sure. But it's those last three hours that really sold it for me that made it just like 
undeniably for me the my favorite of the two games and really just these two games together as a soul was just like as as a whole was was just an incredible masterpiece to me i feel like this is like this is the end game to infinity war like if god of war 2018 is the infinity war this is end game and they just they play off of each other so well but I think I liked it because there was that huge conflict at the end with Ragnarok. There was storming of Asgard. There was all of that. But ultimately, it was still centered around a tale of fatherhood and how to be a good parent to your kids, whether it's you and Atreus or whether it's uh, Thor and his daughter Thrude and and that whole family dynamic. Like It was a story about family and parenting and doing things that you don't want to do because they're the right thing to do to maintain that relationship with your kid. Um and so, because it was all centered around that, I I really connected with it, uh, and especially just all the all the badassery that happens in those last few hours that are still centered around that intimate story. That's what cemented it for me. So, yes, ten out of ten masterpiece for me. It does drag a little bit in the middle of the game as it like introduces all these characters and like Freyer and all these people that are like, why do I care about these people? But then by the end of the game, you're like, oh, I get it. And I'm crying over Brock's dead body, and now I finally understand. So, ten out of ten for me. Loved it. Even topped 2018. Fantastic. Cool. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, you fight stuff. That's and, it. Uh, huh? The fighting's good. No, I like... So, I'm trying to think how to compare it to 20. I do think it's excellent. And um, for me, it's mostly the story and the narrative. Because I'm trying to think of the scope. Do I like the scope... I like the story scope. Do I like the level design scope? That's the one thing that's bugging me. It's like, man, Vanaheim sure is a level, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I love the crater in Vanaheim like as a standalone, but the rest of Vanaheim that you get exposed to at first is like, this is my least favorite part of the entire game. <laughs> and there's a lot we of will, them. Yeah. There's a lot we'll, of them. We'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll them. Get <laughs> well, overall, man, yeah, that's my thing is, so this game is, I do like how they repeat it a bunch of times. Um, it's all a, it's a game about a bunch of people trying to beat fate and yeah. not be a part of a prophecy. Like I love when they see the fates of this world specifically. They're like, we're just saying things that are in your nature. We can't tell the future at all. You're just going to do it because we know you're going to do that shit. And then because they you're do so it predictable. Because they can't help it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're so fucking predictable. We know you're going to be. Mm. And I love the idea of it being like, there's this prophecy, but we need to, like, no one wants to live that prophecy. Everyone wants to do their own thing. Um, and again, the, the steps that the characters go through for that is great. So I'm all about the characters. Uh, love them. Atreus. Guess what? I don't hate Atreus anymore. Nice. Uh, I still, well, I still hate him in 2018. Gross, I love that really? this game points out. I love this game points out how shitty he is in that first game. Cause when he's having that dream yeah. and yeah. it's like him saying whatever a hundred times. Like, yeah. 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 That whatever. Piece of shit whatever. Kid. <laughs> Even he knows it. <laughs> so Even good. he knows it. Yeah, and he listens um, to it. And he's like, "God, I was a little piece of shit." <laughs> Chad, were you on that. the? Are you were you on the hating Atreus train for the first game? No, no, I gave him a pass he because Atreus. he was a kid. I named my dog yeah, after I, him. I, I'm in the same boat. I, I didn't hate him that much. He, he had his. Here's what I'll say. I thought he was a good Being guy. Being a kid is not a character arc. It is a plot device. He, Atreus <laughs> is a plot device. He's not a character. It's like he's eight. He, of course, he's a piece of shit. It's like that doesn't make him an interesting character. That just makes him a piece of shit. But. Love him in this game. Love Atreus. He's great. Uh, and again, of course, I still feel for Kratos because Kratos is a great dude. Um, and uh, the surprise of the different companions, Freya. Fucking love Freya. I think oh, yeah. getting Freya as a companion is where I was like, oh, this is why I like more than 2018. I enjoy having Freya and having a different 
companion and seeing this bigger scope of a story through seeing different companions more than I like 2018. Because again, I also didn't like Atreus then. I do like him now. Hanging out with Brock and Sindri and Freya. Oh, oh God. God. That takes it for me. So. Yeah, hanging out with Sindri, man. That whole that whole character arc with him. Loved yeah. it. Everyone yeah. also, everyone's trying to beat their fate and beat prophecy. And then everyone also goes through the cycles of like revenge. Yeah. Like Freya literally starts the game trying to kill you, getting revenge. Kratos has already been through the cycle of revenge and wants nothing to do with it. And then Sindri is in the middle of that process and gets his revenge. And like, so we see everybody dealing with similar themes. Uh, so yeah, I like it a lot. I like it more in 2018. Uh, I definitely enjoy the combat way more. Uh, they're similar. This feels definitely like, hey, it's 2018, but do more. Yeah. But I think what they just chose to do more in, I do enjoy. Um, so I think and, overall and story and gameplay, I think I like it more 2018. And it definitely, it definitely benefited from the introduction of a very good new weapon. Which I'm sure eh. will. Oh, have. I really? did not like that spear at first, but then really? it became my go-to at the very end. Okay. Of the I was like, God, okay. yeah, yeah. At first, I was like, it's fine. At the end, like, yeah, it's it's fun to throw at people, but I was not a huge fan. Of the I was stunned by how much I liked it. Well, when I first got my hands on it, I was like, okay, this is not going to hit as strongly as the other two weapons. Don't know how much I'll use it, but just discovering all the like cool uses for it, where you can throw it and self-destruct it, that thing really took me by surprise. I think the drill spear say, is what really sold it me for it. When the drill you, one when you charge it up, it. you drill it through, and then you just explode. Like, that's, yeah. that's what sold yeah. it for me. The best part of the spear is when you go into the forge with the mermaid and get it. And yeah. that whole back and forth with Brock. That's the best part of the spear. That shit was awesome. He's like, I need a, he's like, I need a blacksmith to bless it. You know? All right, well, yeah, and he fucking spits on it. It's great. I think that we're all itching to kind of dig into the deepest recesses of this game. So let's go ahead and let's do so. Chapter one of the game. Uh, I know they're, they're each individual mission is called like paths, like the path surviving Thimble Winter, the path, the quest for tier, but I'm just going to call them chapters for the sake of simplicity. Chapter one, surviving Thimble Winter. This is the first chapter of the game and a pretty meaty one. Uh, it opens up with Kratos and Atreus uh, hunting for food for them pet wolves. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Atreus's little wolf buddy, Fenrir, not doing so well. Uh, doggy doggy go bye bye. And then <laughs> doggy doggy go bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was going to come out that way, but no regrets. Uh, That's what happens. Uh, that culminates in Kratos saying Atreus can't go out and do things on his own. Kratos is woken up by Atreus not being gone. Uh, sorry, Kratos is woken up by Atreus being gone and not having come back. Kratos fights a bear. Turns out bear was Atreus. Uh, they both return home. They're like, wow, that was a really... <sighs> tumultuous night. Hopefully nothing more will happen. Oh no, uh, Odin and Thor show up at their doorstep. At first they just have kind of a tense but relatively peaceful little family conversation. Uh, Kratos says no. Uh, Thor knocks him into the air. They have a big epic showdown and they decide, you know what, it's time that we head over to Brock and Sindri's house in the realm between so that we can get our bearings and figure out what's next. This I... is a very strong... Go ahead. Yeah, I, I loved this this opening. From fighting the bear as like your first boss. And I knew it was gonna be somebody. I knew it was gonna be something but I assumed maybe it was like Freya or something like that who took the form of a bear and still trying to kill you. But to have that followed by just that tense sitting at the table with Thor and Odin, just sitting there wondering what the fuck first of all, great introduction to Odin. Uh that what's his name? Richard 
somebody. Richard the guy Schiff. from the West Wing. Yeah, West Wing guy. Like, God, what a great portrayal of Odin. But yeah, that whole tense just sitting there at the table, the whole ultimatum, like, hey, leave us alone. We'll leave you alone. And then you say no, and you go fucking fight. What a great opening. Excellent opening. Yeah, yeah. very good. I agree. It, it is... Um... Uh, but, and by the way, it is Richard Schiff. You were correct. Uh, I enjoy this opening a lot. If I had one small critique of it is that there are definitely a lot of parallels that can be drawn between it and the opening of 2018 with like the fight with the bear kind of being like the first fight with the troll and then, you know, uh, Thor kind of being equivalent to the fight with Balder. Um, but because so much of the game that follows is so different from the opening of uh, of the original God of War 2018, like I kind of, I'm kind of like, okay, whatever. This is just, th this is not like a premonition of a very samey game to come. This is just us kind of like establishing kind of like a base tone and then subverting that in the following chapters is kind of how I looked hey, at it. Stop knocking on Kratos's door because he will fuck your shit up eventually. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like leave this man alone. I do. Uh, again, the Freya stuff is all great. I love that. That whole opening is good. Again, having Thor come in and sit down and be at peace and then fight you. And he's like, oh, yeah, I love that they pay this off later. But whenever they hit and you make the lightning, frozen lightning bolt, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I remember that, uh, which is fun because they that pays off later. Um, but I do. This is where the game started. I'm like, oh, yes, I forgot God of War is not mythology because even the first ones are Greek-ish, but they're not exactly Greek mythology. There's a lot of stuff different because like, oh, Fenrir. Again, sorry, I didn't cry at any of this game. I'm not a big baby like a lot of people Oh my like God, you're a soulless demon. <laughs> I don't cry. Well, okay, here's the thing. It's like, oh, Fenrir dies and it's very touching. But I was like, well, I know what Fenrir is in Ragnarok, so he's not dead. Um, so I saw that coming a mile away. But I think it's really cool how they turn the mythology on its head, especially with Fenrir and the snake boy. It's like... Yeah, I don't know how to say. Oh, Jorgenmander or something. Yeah, Jorgen Yodmander. Yeah, yeah, Jorgenmander or whatever. But I knew Fenrir was coming back, and I was like, "Cool." So I don't need to be sad because he's not dead. Obviously, there's literally wisp coming out of his fucking mouth. He's not <laughs> dead. It's fine. Uh, but no, opening's great. Mm -mm. Gets us off on our adventure. Hell yeah. And then from there, uh, the next chapter of the game is the quest for Tyr, uh, in which Kratos and Atreus uh, journey to Swartalfheim uh, on the hunch that Tyr might be imprisoned somewhere there. Uh, they paddle around in their canoe a lot. They visit that dwarven village slash city. Uh, they get some clues that he might be in this mountain mine. They journey deep and long into the mine and they find Tyr, or so we think, but we don't know quite so yet that he might not be who he appears to be. And they journey back home. Uh, I'm going to say this right here, right now. I thought this level was a little bit of a sophomore slump coming off of the first one. I, you know, never not enjoyed this game on a base level. Uh, I, I enjoy, you know, hearing Kratos and Atreus talk amongst each other. I especially like, liked a lot of the kind of like philosophical conversations they got to in this level about, you know, whether it's, you know, moral or not moral to wage war with uh, Odin and the the Einherjar, whatever the hell they're called. And a, a lot of those sort of discussions that were had on the way to finding Tyr. Uh, this level was pretty long, though. Um, but I also did spend a bit of time like doing some side questy stuff before you head into the mountain. So, I mean, I am partially to blame for dragging things out as well. 
I like in this one how we got introduced. Like my one of my favorite things in most video games is just the random chatter of people. That's why I feel like I was very different uh, than a lot of people about. They were like, "Please just let the character shut up." And I was like, "No, that's my favorite part of this game when they all start talking to each other." And we have heard so much from Kratos and Atreus and then Mimir in the first game that I felt like this was a, a cool, interesting, refreshing take when we finally do get Tear, quote unquote, Tear as part of our party, where then it gets a little bit meta and Tear's like, where, wait, where are you going? That's not the right way to go. And Atreus is like, oh yeah, my dad likes searching for loot. He likes loot. And, like, <laughs> and then you go off to go find another treasure chest. It's like, oh, that's right, you and your treasure. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but... <laughs> Like that, it, it it made me appreciate that, like, oh, we're going to get a lot from Tyr and then from many, many other characters. We're going to get a lot of this extra chatter that I cannot wait to hear. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, even those characters is fun. It did, this was the spot where I was like, oh, I remember we mentioned when we first talked about it. It's like, go down this path, the straight path. There's only one way. Here's a big open water area. Go right or left. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is literally exactly like the Lake of Nine in the first game. Uh, but I do like the payoff with that big uh, big whale, whatever that thing is, in the middle of the lake. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a cool ending to just like, go do the three rigs in the lake. I'm like, okay, I guess. But it's like, oh, no, that was a cool payoff. Um, and then, yeah, going up the mountain, hanging out with Tyr, going in the mines. All very cool. Uh, but, yeah, this one, it's a good level. It does feel like you're just going on a long path. But story stuff again. I'm all about it. Um, and then of course we all know this the the spoiler, but the tier stuff is just like evident right then and there at the beginning, if you know what you're looking for, which I think is a really cool thing to be like, oh shit, there are feathers in that fucking cell. He oh. literally calls him Loki instead of Atreus at all times. Uh. The subtitles are literally tears is doesn't have the umlaut over the Y. Um that is cool um if they do release a new game plus mode for this game, I'm probably not going to replay it that way, but I will at some point in the future when I have another, you know, month off or so, uh, <laughs> replay the PlayStation four version of the game. And I'll definitely Let's get that. Platy. Definitely. will keep, yeah, got to get that platy bird. Uh, definitely will <laughs> keep track of those little hints and details there. Cause I was, uh, did, did you notice that stuff right away or was that stuff you No, I didn't notice it at all. Got oh, it. I was going to say, that's why I hate fact, fucking hate I subtitles. They spoil shit. Like, no, 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 I had no idea during, at all. At, during, I was like, why? I mean, when, when it happens, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, okay. But no, it's just a thing that if you noticed, it's there. Yeah. I, I will say like when we did find here for the first <laughs> time, I was sort of scratching my chin being like, this feels a little bit like even though this was a very long chapter, it still feels a little bit easy how easily we were able to find Tyr. Like you'd think that Odin would imprison him a little bit more with a little bit more difficulty. And I, I feel like I was able to kind of self-justify to myself. Well, I mean, Tyr is such a pacifist. Odin probably didn't see fit to like put a lot of uh, like tender care into hiding him because he figured well if he is found it's not like he's going to be able to do much damage and well i was certainly wrong on that account all right well jumping from there uh chapter three was old friends which was uh, our first introduction into the game to journeying solo as atreus this is a chapter mm -hmm. where he returns to midgar with sindri's help uh he seeks out the world serpent learns a clue from him uh just two words iron wood uh, and then briefly meets up with freya who learns from him that realm travel has now been opened via new means and makes off on her own way I'm going to say this right here, right now. 
it is, you know, such a trope nowadays for Sony first party games to feature a segment uh, or even half the game where you get to play as another character. And I think that the way in which you play as Atreus in this game might be better than any of these other segments. If we kind of just go down the list, like Abby in The Last of Us Part Two, I felt like it was justified in why we were playing as Abby because the game wanted to show us the kind of side of the characters that Ellie is fighting against, but it didn't really feel gameplay-wise all that much different from Ellie. It still kind of felt like an extension of what we were doing with her, just Abby was a little bit more powerful. Playing as Rivet in Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart was fun, and again, it was justified because we wanted to get, get her perspective on the action going on and explore different planets from Ratchet, but again, didn't really feel that much different from Ratchet. Uh, playing as MJ in Spider-Man 2018 felt very different from playing as Spider-Man, but... And bad. <laughs> well, that's the problem. It didn't. It was just not very fun. And honestly, like when I finished those levels, it was kind of like I don't really know that this really, like thematically, was important that we switched over to MJ's perspective. Like literally everything that she encountered in this level, she could have told Spider-Man with a phone call. So it's sort of like, did we even really need this to happen? But Atreus, I feel like Atreus throughout the entire game was kind of a perfect combination of fun, very different from Kratos in terms of how kind of quick and light-footed he is. And most important, him being able to play as him just felt like very thematically relevant to the game as a whole, because this is a game about Atreus coming to into his own as his own person and vying for his own independence. I, I agree. This is like the best that it's ever felt. And even more so than Miles Morales, I felt like I want an entire game around Atreus. Like, I feel like I could play him as a protagonist, and his move set and his feature set is so full that I, I want an entire game as him. We'll get to that in, at the end when we talk about, like, what do we, where do we think it's going to go from here? But I agree with you. Yeah, he's, he's completely fully fleshed out. I kind of saw it coming. Not necessarily saw it coming, but I assumed we were going to play as him because, um, well, here's, here's my actual thought. I thought we were going to wield Mjolnir. And that's why it was included mm -hmm. in the collector's edition. Uh, you think about most God of War games, you have like a fire, an ice, and a, an electricity type weapon. And I assumed yeah. that, that was just going to be our weapon because Atreus was your electricity weapon in the first game. And so I assumed, oh, we'll get Mjolnir as a replacement for Atreus and Atreus is going to go off and do something else or he's going to die or whatever. So I assumed we were going to get like Atreus was going solo a little bit in here. So it wasn't that much of a surprise, but I did. Yeah, it, it felt so much more fleshed out and and appropriate than it did like with ellie or hell even like i feel like young drake in in uncharted 3 is like the first time that, yeah. that i can remember something like that happening and it's like yeah that was this kinda, is the best. that was like the first one that was yeah and that was in 2011 wow we, we have we have come so far since then wow adam any any thoughts on teenage atreus oh yeah atreus so i didn't I do like that he's fully fleshed out and he has like his whole moveset. I didn't love playing as him compared to Kratos because I just like doing melee over ranged. It's like sure. only really small difference there. But I, again, I like hanging out with Sindri. I like that he has his own moveset uh, and like all the story stuff we get is cool because like he talks to that fucking snake and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. My theory about the snake was right because Adam knows mythology. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, and, I'll, and talking to Freya was cool and all that. So. This level was all right. Again, I don't love playing as Atreus, but it was cool that he was like a fully fleshed out, do your own thing. So, 
after that, we had chapter four, Groa's Secret. This is where uh, Tyr, or so we believe him to be, uh, journeys alongside Kratos and Atreus to Alfheim uh, to open up another one of those like secret little prophecy revelation panels and learn a new secret about the coming war of Ragnarok. Uh, I thought this level was fine. I felt like after a while, it just kind of got monotonous. I kind of felt I was just going through the motions, exploring that one temple in Alfheim. I, I, I thought it was a pretty a pretty interesting decision to have it be that, you know, in 2018, Alfheim is like 80% water and 20% temple. And in this game, most of Alfheim is like the desert that's north of like that body of water you were previously exploring. And I kind of kind of felt like this level could have benefited from a little bit more open desert exploration, like integrated into the actual main plot uh, of the level itself. Um, but I did I did enjoy getting to explore the desert after the factoring side questy stuff. Yeah, you very much. It's like you go up the temple. At the top of the temple is what you saw in twenty eighteen. Go back down the temple, and I was like, yeah, the temple part. I'm not. It was fine. It was whatever. I did like the open desert part. Uh, all goes funny to think that when we go inside of that bookcase, that fucking wardrobe, language wardrobe, we can go inside <laughs> that. Um, and, you know, tears with us. And it's like, I think it shows like the champion. It shows like, oh, Ragnarok doesn't actually destroy all the realms. Odin was lying. It actually only destroys Asgard. I don't know if that comes up later. There's a point where it's, you know, Asgard's the only ones who dies. Odin's the only ones who dies. The rest of us were fine. And then, you know, you think Tyr's there like, oh, shit. Well, all right, champion, do your best, buddy. And he's like, fuck, it's only me. I got to beat this. <laughs> so I think that's pretty cool. No thoughts, Chad? You, you like the uh, No, yeah, I, I agree. It's like the, the, the temple again for the main path, yeah. at least. Just going back. They're like, OK, I've played. It's not the exact same temple because Ragnarok's here. But uh, I did enjoy. I think it was this chapter when you do get to start exploring that desert and you free the jellyfish, which has the some silly yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought that was going to be a, a trend. Like every world, you free some giant animal creature because he had the whale in the first one. Then you have the jellyfish in the second one. It was like, ooh, what am I going to free in the next one? And then it turns out, no, you're just going to free another jellyfish eventually. But that's it. <laughs> <sighs> and then after that, we have chapter five, The Lost Sanctuary, a.k.a. Ironwood. Hmm. Guys, I gotta be honest, this was my least favorite chapter in the game. It was my least favorite chapter in the game that also had one of my favorite moments in the entire game. I, and, and I posted this on Twitter, I think, as I was experiencing this, hate, hate, hate the video game trope of your main character going, yo, what's going on? And their NPC companion being like, oh, just come over here, I'll show you. And then they spend an hour leading them on a crazy long fetch quest on a yak without explaining anything. This yeah. is so much of what this level was for me. And I'm like, oh my God, just just give Atreus an answer or two, please, please. <laughs> I don't love going around on this yak in the mud as as you know cool and neat as ironwood as the location is and then what i hated most of all is you get done with the super arduous level you get that cool revelation towards the end where oh those marbles are actually the souls of the giants i'm like oh man that's kind of cool but whatever this is long let's get it over with just when you think it's over anger boat is like oh wait hold on a sec i got a grandma 
do you want to go and deal with her? I'm like, no, no, this has already been four and a half hours. Why do we need, just end it already. Just end it. This segment should have been divided into two parts. We should have come back here multiple times. And against all odds, against all odds, that actually culminates in, honestly, like my favorite boss battle in the entire game. I thought that the boss battle with Anger Boda's grandmother, I forget her name, was actually genuinely kind of brilliant i thought it was a really clever take on like these old kind of like old school fairy tales of like oh you got the giant protecting their house and you have to defeat them or out with them or outsmart them uh even though that whole segment felt a little bit extra honestly yeah that definitely got it got Compared to the rest of what we've been doing so far, it got strenuous to go through that so slowly, collecting fruit and just like, oh, I'm here to, to tell you, I'm here to tell you what you are and who you are, but I'm not going to do it yet. But that is, I believe, the first time where we get to like harness our powers by turning into a wolf. And that was it fucking, is. that was badass. I loved yeah. that. Ate that shit up. So it's good. Yeah. I, the, yeah. The walk around the yak is whatever. I love Angraboda. I think she's my. F- she might be one of my favorite characters. Again, if you know Norse mythology, you know her and Loki are good good time buddies. Uh, so, <laughs> good okay, time so buddies. you've hinted that you know quite a bit about Norse mythology. Obviously, like I feel like we got everything in the game that we need to know about Fenrir. Like in Norse mythology, what exactly is Angraboda's deal? Angraboda is she's mentioned as Loki's mate. And she is the mother of beasts. So she's the mother of Fenrir. She's the mother of Jotun, whatever, the big snake. Mm. And she's the mother of uh, the person who rules over hell. Uh, so the, the Loki. Hella. No, the bird. Yeah. 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 Well, Hella. Yeah. It's, so basically, that's Loki's wife, baby mama, whatever you want to call it. And Fenrir and Snake are his children. But this game changes it around where it's like he creates the forms that they are in Ragnarok, but he doesn't like, I you know, birth, he doesn't birth either. Anyways, right. but right. he is their father in normal Norse mythology and this. He is their creator, but he's not their father. But that is the girl that is he's with. So that's interesting to have there. And I also just mm-hmm. love how she's like going through prophecy. She's like, hey, I'm not in this story. So, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. And then, of course, she breaks prophecy, too. And she's at Ragnarok and she does her own thing. But yes, that is Fenrir. That's the mother from Loki's kids who kill everybody in Ragnarok. All of Loki's kids kill everybody. So that's mm-hmm. why he's so important. Fenrir is the one who kills Odin in Norse mythology. And the uh. snake is the one who kills Thor. Uh. So Interesting. Interesting. But in this, he gets punched back in time instead. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So I do like, next... though, that snake in Grandma's basement. Yeah. That's the world snake. I didn't. Right. You know what's wild? I didn't even, like, put that together until it was, like, called out to me by the characters in the game. Like, I even saw He doesn't look so like, old. Yeah, I didn't even notice yeah. then when it, when they called that out. And, I was, and it was much, much later when they like explicitly said it in chat. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't realize that. That's so yep. fucking cool. I, that snake yeah. that we put a giant into becomes Jorgenander. It's mm. cool. Would have loved if we had seen that snake at least one point like in between it starting out as like a small snake and it evolving into full like Jormungandr status. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to there as we kind of barrel closer towards Ragnarok. Before then, we have Chapter 6, The Reckoning. 
This is where uh, Kratos uh, uh, manages to refind Atreus after he leaves Ironwood. Uh, Kratos and Atreus uh, battle a Valkyrie. That Valkyrie is revealed to actually be Freya, who has managed to regain most of her strength, but not her ability to travel between realms. They travel with Freya to Vanaheim, and after a fight with Nidogger, they manage to break her curse, preventing her from doing so. At front, at the start of this podcast, you guys said that you didn't really love Vanaheim all that much. I actually didn't really have much of an issue with this level in particular, except I didn't love how much time we spent with Brock at the beginning of the level. I thought that the double reveal at the beginning of the level of Atreus realizing, oh shit, I accidentally teleported myself to our old house and not Sindri's house was great. I loved him stepping through the portal and confronting Kratos because like we've played as Kratos in so many other games, you know, taking on all sorts of people. We have never until this point played as somebody who Kratos is confronting. And I thought that just realizing like, oh shit, we are face to face with this man that we know can like split our neck in a second was so good. And I thought the reveal of, uh, Freya being this Valkyrie that has come to kill us also so good but the moment that Brock popped up on screen is like hey you guys ready to go to Vanaheim together I was like oh no on the previous episode of the podcast actually I think it was not the previous episode but the episode before that when I talked about the shit nugget that's who I was referring to <laughs> <laughs> talking about Brock <laughs> And I, 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 for the record, I feel bad about him dying. I, I think, you know, he met a very unfortunate death. All that stuff's very sad. But in this level in particular, I'm like, no, get him out of here. And I was so happy that he was only there for like the first third of it. Aw. Yeah, that is, oh, uh, well, just real quick, Chad. Again, I think that is my favorite part of, I always kind of call it Anaheim. I know it's not Anaheim, Vanaheim. <laughs> because again, favorite part of this, Disneyland. Freya's like, Hey, help me do this thing. I'm not going to... Like, so she's still conflicted how she feels about Kratos, which is great. He's like, I don't expect you to forgive me. Like, I don't need your forgiveness. It's fine. You have a right to be mad. But I just love reading all up to the to the the boss fight and her, you know, like finally being set free of Odin, just like in all ways possible. Uh, so that is my favorite part of Vanaheim. And it's also because it's a, a narrow path story moment compared to the next couple parts where it's like, here's the open spot. And I guess go dick around. But... Yeah, I love Freya. I mean, that th this level is why I like Freya so much. I really, I enjoyed what happens in Vanaheim a lot. Uh, I enjoyed the relationships you build there. I en I, I enjoyed Vanaheim like as as an aesthetic too. But it's just what I didn't enjoy about it is that it is such a tangled, woven mess of a level that like you can't you cannot look at the map and say that's where I need to go and and know mm. how to get there easily. And there are so few waypoints in that level too that like fast travel is is basically worthless until the very 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 end of the game after you beat the game where you finally get an extra waypoint way up in the abandoned city. Um, but so that was that was my issue with Vanaheim. It was, it was just such a winding mess through the forest with also every ten seconds a fucking plant trying to blow up in your face. Oh, I was just like, no, nope, no, sir. Jesus. Don't even get me started on the day and night fucking wolf shit. Oh my god. <laughs> to be honest, that added a like I love the crater. I think the crater's maybe my favorite part of the game, which is part of Vanaheim still. But that was a like I, I loved exploring the crater. We'll talk about that later. But but it was the day yeah. and night, which is like that one extra point of complexity. It was like this is a little too much. 
the, the thing yeah. about the the day knife night thing is like clearly they were trying to do a like the legend of zelda ocarina of time like time traveling or like the, a link to the past light world dark world thing where you have to like travel between the two different versions of the world to get past certain puzzles and access new areas but it was never at least for me it was never super obvious where and when i was supposed to change the time yeah. of day like it, mm -hmm. it wasn't like oh man this is like a very specific kind of plant that only grows during the day or during the night i know they did have that kind of stuff but it was never obvious to me when that was the case i agree i didn't I even know. i didn't even realize when she's like all right now we have to change it tonight to to proceed on this thing i was like why what does that do i didn't it took me a while to realize that that those plant <laughs> gates come down at night and i was like yeah yeah after that, we have Chapter 7, The Runaway. This is where uh, Atreus gets into a big fight with Kratos and his companions and decides, you know what? Y'all are accusing me of having escaped to Asgard. I am going to go to Asgard. Uh, and so uh, he goes to Freya's old hut. Uh, he requests that Odin's ravens take him to uh, Asgard, but he gets deposited in the river outside of Asgard's walls. So he decides, you know what? I'm going to go climb, climb, climb up Asgard's walls after talking to Link. Uh, he gets to the top yep. of Asgard's walls. He meets up with Heimdall, <laughs> who's a real bitch and a half. Uh, he gets taken to the Great Hall. He meets up with Odin. Odin gives him sort of the tour of the facilities. Uh, and he is told that he has a great purpose that awaits him within Asgard. Uh, overall, really enjoyed this chapter. Uh, him climbing up the walls of Asgard felt like one of those moments that like you would see depicted in like a piece of concept art for the game that was like that basically got shelved and never actually made it into the game and so it's cool that they actually managed to figure out how to get it in here uh, Heimdall is obviously a real shitburger of a character an actual <laughs> shitburger this yeah. time but I mean very effective in uh, you know inhabiting that particular character I do uh, love that like one of his yeah. very first lines we ever hear him say is like what made you think that this enormous wall meant please scale it we want you on the other side or something along those lines it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah that's good that's a good line I fucking love Heimdall. Yeah. And, and I love worst. the I, I love the way that they kind of chose to depict Asgard in this game versus, you know, the Asgard that we're more familiar with when from the MCU movies. I did like Heimdall's line of like, Odin doesn't live in like a grand palace. He just lives in like a, you know, slightly larger than normal lodge because he doesn't have anything to prove as like the master of the nine realms. I thought that was a very, a very kind of astute kind of interpretation of odin and his domain basically yeah and, th and this kind of calls back to a point that i made last week on the podcast where it's like i love this depiction like this going against what you would expect thanks to pop culture and the mcu and all this kind of stuff like odin asgard thor like these are completely different versions of these characters that we're introduced to in this that i absolutely love even heimdall you know heimdall being fucking idris elba just standing there in the MCU, putting the sword down, looking out in the galaxy, and then this one, he's just like, "No, I'm a fucking asshole. I can see every move you're gonna make," and I'm just like, love it, kept it fresh. Cool. Even though I didn't know the lore, I just knew a little bit from what the MCU told me. Still fresh for me. MCU does pretty good. Tells you a lot. Yeah, 
And the one last thing I'll say is, you know, this whole plot line of Atreus sort of abandoning, abandoning his companion so that he can join up with an enemy that's trying to seduce him. It, it's something that I feel like we've all seen before in like a lot of other media and movies. You even think about things like the Karate Kid 3, for example. And like you have that kind of storyline depicted there. Do people think about that, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> no joke. I was writing up my notes for this and I'm like, what's an example? Again, I know this is a very common trope, but what's an example of a movie that we might all know? where this sort of storyline happens. Oh, yeah, the Karate Kid Part 3. <laughs> there we go. I love that your brain went there. Um, but what I like is that I feel like this particular game, like more so than so many other movies or TV shows or games, has like a really kind of well-justified reason for Atreus sort of joining uh, with his enemies. It's not because his enemies are like seducing and tricking Atreus into joining with them. He wants to rebel against Kratos and can forge an identity for himself. And being in Odin's company is one of the few places where he can do so safely. But also more than that, he also wants to learn everything that he can from them to save his father and his friends. And I just really love those justifications. And I also love the tension of, okay, but we, despite having these justifications, is Atreus nevertheless being indoctrinated into Odin's sway? Or is he keeping up with his deception, which is ironically very Loki-like? Yeah, so. I do like in this game, again, over the first one, that again, Atreus is very respectful and listens to his dad, and they have a great relationship. And he even does this, and he's like, Curtis, like, I got to learn to trust my son. I don't want to push him away. I do love, and everything that has to do with him in Asgard, He's not just rebelling against his father to be an asshole. He's like, oh, I'm literally trying to save my dad from dying. Yeah. But I can't tell him that. So it's like, oh, you actually have motivations like a real character, not just a shitty eight-year-old. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I like that even when he's, quote unquote, rebelling, he has like a real motivation, a real reason for why he's trying to do what he's trying to do. Exactly. Next up is chapter eight, Into the Fire. Uh, this is a pretty simple level in which Thor and Atreus travel to Muspelheim to retrieve a fragment of Odin's magical mask, which he believes will allow him to access a glowing green portal slash rift slash thing that will allow him to obtain all information in the history of the universe or something. We're not really given full answers. Uh, this was a very fun and unexpected level. I thought it was a stroke of genius that halfway through Loki's like, Yo, I need to distract Thor. Hey, Thor, go and complete those challenges from God of War 2018. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was a... Well, it, it was just one of those moments where, like, you know, I love the Kingdom Hearts games. Surprise, surprise. I don't know if you guys have heard this before. And it always bugged me to no end that, like, you would play through the entirety of Kingdom Hearts 1. You would, you know complete every optional objective in that game, which would include things like battling Sephiroth. And then you get to Kingdom Hearts 2 and Cloud's like, yo, Sora, are you familiar with Sephiroth? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with Sephiroth. We battled him at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1 as an optional boss. And Sora's like, nope, never heard of him. I'm like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> like, it, it, it annoys me so much when video games include all this like pretty relevant and important optional content that doesn't get mentioned at all in their sequels. And so it was such a kind of refreshing breath of fresh air that this game does totally uh, like reference and make relevant all that optional content and actually has it have a play ha has it play a really important part in this level in particular yeah they mentioned all the valkyries and everything yeah they're like you did all the content in 2018 and that's the canon yeah i love this one because it gives a little bit of a like 
uh, it it sets up Odin's why. Like, why is Odin doing what he wants to do a little bit? And he's like, you you get the mystery behind why his eye is gone. He's like, well, I looked into that little crack, and now I don't have an eyeball. And that's about all we get. Um, but he also is just like, everyone down there, they look to us as the reason why. And they're like, why is this happening to me? Why is my kid getting sick? Why is my farm fucking terrible? And it's like, oh, it's because the gods wanted it so. But like, what do we get? We don't have answers for why are we here? What is the meaning? Like, that's his drive um to for all of this and he just he just he needs answers like the people look to him for so i love that we get introduced you know, to that you know what i love about that too is that he that's what he tells to atreus or he calls him loki right. the entire time he refused to call him his other name and he does that but so the way that i mean you know we'll get there when we get there but the way he's very like manipulative and very self-serving like he really only he's like look what you're doing they killed my boy. What can I do about it? You're awful. You, you're the reason he's dead. It's like no, you literally, you literally just stabbed Thor. That's what happens. Um, <laughs> so I think like he wants to know knowledge, but I bet he's like, oh, how can I avoid not dying in Ragnarok? How can I avoid dying in Ragnarok? Yeah, that's the knowledge that matters the most to me. I'll say it's because well, I'm such a nice god and I have to help everybody, and maybe that's it. But I'm sure he's also like, how do I not die in Ragnarok? Because that's the most important thing to Odin is himself. Yeah. And then I love the surprise of playing with Thor, like it being side by side Thor's with great. Thor and fighting. Is I, I think this is like maybe my favorite depiction of a character in these games is Thor. I think it's just yeah, he's obviously troubled and that kind of shit. I think he's really I can't remember who who uh, did the performance for Thor in this game, but he's incredible. Ryan Hurst, I think. Ryan Hurst, who is that? I think he's from Sons of Anarchy or something like that. Can double check wow. if you want to. It is Ryan Hurst. Yep, and he is from Sons of Anarchy. Boom. Um, he do, everyone's like jo Josh Brolin's in this game. It's like, no, <laughs> that's exactly. He sounds exactly like. He Thanos. does sound like. Yeah. Him. He does sound exactly like Josh Brolin. Yeah, but it's fantastic. Love this chapter a lot. He's very good. Mm -hmm. All right. Get to hang out with Agrabota again too. That's fun. Yeah, she shows up a little bit there, which is nice. Uh, from there, we have chapter 10, Forging Destiny. This is where... No, wait, hold on, hold on. We skipped over a chapter. Chapter 9, The Word of Fate, which is where Kratos and Atreia go to search out the Norns to try and figure out how they can uh, mm -hmm. avert the slow-moving disaster that is Ragnarok that they are all heading towards. Um, what I loved about this level is how so much of it felt like a callback to God of War 2, which if you remember, was about Kratos going and seeking out the fates from Greek mythology so that he could kill them in, change his fate. I love the idea that Kratos, you know, is out of options. He's not very knowledgeable about Norse mythology, but he does remember last time around when he was in a God of War sequel, he seeked out the fates of Greek mythology. And so he's probably like, well, maybe I can seek out the fates of North Norse mythology this time. Maybe things will work out the same this time. I love that. I love that. In his head, he's like, I remember God of War 2. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. I loved that. This was like the one of the first big times that we see this where everyone's curious about Kratos' past. We're like, mm. tell me about I I heard Mimir is constantly saying, you know, there's rumors that you battled so-and-so and that this happened. Is that real? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. But like th this is where he's like, oh, yeah, I've done something similar to this in the past. And kind of like what you're saying, Alex, like w w the game acknowledges and remembers canon. And that's really cool. And the fact that it's now not just us just exploring Norse mythology, but all of these gods who are now interested in Kratos. Tell me about Greece. Tell me about this person that you killed that did that. That's really, really cool to me. It's cool world building. 
Yeah. yeah. Tell us about your homeland that doesn't exist anymore, apparently. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Apparently, Greece doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, they could be mean sometimes to Kratos. I remember there was one conversation where they were talking about what food they miss from their childhoods. And uh, Mimir's like, oh, I miss haggis and all, all this, like, English food. And Freya's like, oh, I miss, like, uh, honey with, what is it, like, honey with porridge or something like that? And Kratos is like, I miss olives. And Mimir's <laughs> like, what the fuck is an olive? <laughs> Uh, from there, we have chapter 10, Forging Destiny. Uh, this is the chapter where Kratos gets his hands on the controversial Dropnir Spear. I mean, I think we all agree that it is certainly a pretty inventive weapon, but whether we love it or not kind of ranges from host to host. Um, here's what I'll say. I really like the way in which the spear in this level was forged. I can't hmm. help but feel like they maybe could have done a better job of setting up that Kratos is going to forge a new weapon. I kind of felt like up until the, the mermaid was in the middle of forging the spear, I didn't even know what we were going to do. But maybe that was just me. Well, they mentioned they need something to kill Heimdall because he has foresight and you got to give him something that he fucking knows nothing about. Sure. But I feel like when you when you talk about like um we need something to kill this one god like it can be anything from like a sword to like a, a magic well, yeah, I didn't god know it was gonna bomb. be a spear right and that's the thing yeah. is I just kind of was hoping that we could have been given just a little bit more direction in terms of all right we're going to create a bladed weapon let's just say this is where I also I still don't feel like I understand why this spear allows them to kill Heimdall like I don't. Like, I, I understand that, like, you get to make infinite of them, it explodes, and that's a surprise that maybe he wasn't seeing, but I feel like the first time you do that, he's like, cool, now I know these explode, and, and I'm ready, and I'm prepared for it. It's like, I didn't understand why this weapon helped kill Hundal and was the answer to everything. And I felt like that never got explained oh. well enough that I yeah, understood with it. You, the explosion is like, maybe he doesn't have the foresight for the explosion because it's not what he's looking at. But then you keep fighting him. And then you start punching him and hitting him with it. So yeah. I, I don't it's just an excuse to have a new weapon that has Kratos' blood in it, which is pretty cool. But I think that's about it. <laughs> the blood yeah, of the I god. I, I wonder if it's like... I, I wonder if what they're going for is that like Heimdall is you know able to uh, evade everyone's attacks because he can see ever so slightly into the future. But it's not like Heimdall is impervious to damage. And what someone like Kratos needs, who is incredibly powerful, is just something that gives him that extra little edge in terms of being unpredictable. Like, it, it, it's not like Heimdall is like, I, I'm trying to like find the, the right way to put this. It's not like Heimdall is like, again, immortal. It's not like he's like immune and we need something to make him unimmortal, like with the, with the leaf and balder in the first game it's more just that kratos needs to find that one weapon that will push his luck quotient over a certain percentage so that he can be able to strike a hit on him that at least that's how i kind of interpreted it if that makes any sense mm. yeah i think that's what it is i also so we get um hints at this a lot earlier in the game it keeps going throughout the fact that brock was brought back from the dead by sindri right but not with his full soul and I love how the mermaid literally ignores him because it's like, oh, she doesn't notice things that aren't that aren't whole, yeah. that aren't complete. 
um, which he's like, fuck, my brother brought me back from the dead. That's why everyone <laughs> treats me different. He's like, God damn it. But then, yeah, I love Kratos. She just like gets down on his knees. Like, I need it. I need this blessed by a blacksmith. And uh, you're the best one that I know. So fucking do it. And he's like, all right. Gives Brock a little, uh, you know, a little pick me up. Yeah. And, you know, that's really cool. I like that. Uh, from there, we have a, a relatively short chapter, chapter 11, Unleashing Hell. This is where Athre- Atreus and Thrud, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, try to retrieve a mask fragment from Helheim, or so they think, because unfortunately, uh, after uh, managing to free the Great Wolf Garm, uh, they realize that there is no mass fragment to be held there. And after uh, good old Heimdall kicks the shit out of Atreus a little bit, Atreus heads back home. Uh, I mean, not much to say about this chapter. It was interesting to talk with Thrud and kind of get some insight into how even like a smart person like her can still kind of be, you know, enthralled into thinking that what Odin is doing is correct, for example. I like her a lot. I do have a question. And I'm sure it's a video game thing because the mask leads you to another piece of the mask. Where the fuck was that mask leading us? <laughs> right. right. So that's a, that's it's a question the wrong I had. Place, but it still is like it's glowing green. It's like, but but no, there's nothing here. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 Unless that it was leading you to the wolf, well. but that's why? That's what I thought is that before we knew where the final mask fragment was, we got that answer. It was like, oh, the mask, the wolf ate the mask or the wolf is part of the mask or something like that. And then maybe he jumps through a... Uh, rip in time and space and throws it up somewhere else. Who knows? <laughs> but that's what I assumed yeah. is that, oh, it's no longer here now that the wolf is gone. Therefore, the wolf equals the last piece of the, ma- piece of the mask. Yeah. Maybe they could have made it so that, like, the mask fragment actually was there. But, like, when they wake up the wolf, he accidentally opens a portal and then the mask fragment falls through the portal, that's which true. is how it gets in Niflheim. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we maybe we're overthinking it, but. Yeah, that was video game logic. (laughs) Don't worry about it. And then we have chapter 12 reunion where Kratos and Atreus reunite. Everyone's real mad uh, that Atreus freed Garm from his confinements, but Kratos decides, you know what? It's okay. We're going to go solve this problem. They go to hell. They fight Garm. They think he's dead, but he keeps coming back and back. And so Atreus has a brilliant idea. What if I take Fenrir's soul and put him into Garm? And he can become our trusted big dog ally. And so they do just that. No, there's big Fenrir. There he is. <laughs> I recognize this big boy. <laughs> did you know, uh, Mr. Norse mythology, did you know that this was how Fenrir was going to come back into play? Like, did you predict, oh, Garm is going to become Fenrir via this, like, soul stuff? Well, yeah, because we knew the soul of Fenrir was in the knife, because Angry Boat is like, there's a soul in there. Did, Did you, you know at that um, point? I didn't know it was Fenrir's soul at that point. Did you know at that point? Same. Well, yeah, well, because last, the first time we saw a soul, it was Fenrir. See, like, I, well, thought, I thought maybe it was Mom, because, you know, they they had the knife on Mom's pyre. Yeah. That, you know, he takes it off in the beginning of 2018, and yeah. I was like, oh. I, Her ashes got spread. I thought it was the other son of Thor, the one that Atreus kills, because we do see Atreus mm, stab, stab him with him the, the knife neck. before he kills yeah. him. Um, How great is that throwaway no, line other, from Odin? Like, yeah, those those guys were pieces of shit. So, like, they, they were going to die anyway. Because <laughs> Odin's a piece of shit. No, when I, the minute I saw Garm's eyes, because they make a point when you're in Ironwood, like, oh, all these all these animals don't have souls. And when they don't have souls, yeah. their eyes are white. It's like, this big uh. wolf, his eyes are white. Fenrir's soul's in the knife. Fenrir's mm. a big boy. So, put two and two together, you know? Yeah. 
that's oh. and a cool way for him to another, give birth another to his cool, son. Yeah, yeah another cool. cool thing for me to pay attention to on my next playthrough. I will say this. The conclusion of them pacifying Garm by turning him into Fenrir was a cool, pleasant surprise. However, after that happened, I was shocked that Kratos and Atreus weren't immediately like, okay, we now have a giant wolf who we command and who we can use to open portals to anywhere and any place. Let's use that. Like, did they explain why they didn't do that? (laughs) I don't know. I guess they were still trying to figure stuff out. I don't know. I guess they they don't know that Fenrir... Again, because it doesn't matter because it doesn't happen. They don't know the, the you know, that the prophecy would be that Fenrir gets killed. Because there's no prophecy about how Odin dies. So they wouldn't know, hey, Fenrir kills Odin. So maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. They're just like, hey, our big boy's alive. Let's send him home and we can figure something out later, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they could have leapt on that a little bit more. This was one, uh, of, my, this was one of my favorite parts of the game because this is where you see Kratos take a big step in the way that he treats and respects his son and like yeah. you know, mm. earlier in 2018 and even earlier in this game like when atreus does something dumb or fucks up he's like how could you be so stupid you got to stay safe you got to be like uh and and this one he's like everyone else is freaking out what this wolf is going and it's tearing the, the whole world's gonna fall and he's like he made a mistake we're gonna fix it and we're gonna fix it together and let's go and i was like that you know, i'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it now like that was a big character yeah, moment for like, him He's like, well, you, he's like, Dad, I got an idea. He's like, you should, all right, I trust you. Go for it. Yep. Doesn't argue with him. He's like, go for it. You got it. You know what you're doing, kid. And also, it's great. of course, in the moment where he's like, what do I call you? And Atreus runs and embraces mm. him. Another really yeah. good moment, too. I have photos of, by the way, if anyone's watching visually, OBS wants to only, I have 219 fucking photos that this is supposed to cycle mm-hmm. through, and it wants to come back to this one photo. <laughs> and so I'm manually like clicking through photos to try to show something different, and then it keeps snapping back. It's like, God damn it! See, I have photos of all of these great moments too that you just for some reason can't see. Thanks, OBS. Gotcha. And then from there, uh, we have Chapter 13, Creatures of Prophecy. This is where we return to everyone's favorite realm, Vanaheim, so that we can uh, rescue Freyr and company from some very bad people of Odin. Uh, and eventually, via some side questy stuff, discover the crater. Um, so uh, I, I feel like I've not really talked about the crater all that much. I like the crater, too. I like some of the story stuff that happens there. Can't help but feel like there were maybe a few too many side quests around that area. I, I felt like I would take two steps in that area and there would be a new ghost that would pop up that would be like, oh, find my hourglass, please. And be like, I mean, it's not so hard. hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Kind of feel like the, you could have spread this out a little bit more. Oh, there's four deers. Go find the four deers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that, I get, too. This was... I like I like the idea of the crater. The crater is a cool area and all that, but it definitely feels like for the. I remember in the marketing they're like, you go to nine realms. All nine realms are available, but one of those realms is literally just a bridge. And I feel like Vanaheim, they're like, here's our open world, yeah, realm, and they put all of it into this one place. And I'm like, I wish you would have spread that out and made some of the area, made this slim this one up just a little bit. Again, I like the crater. The crater is fine, but the other parts, the, the river delta, I didn't like that much. Like take some away some of the time you made building the crater and make some of the other worlds a little more open world, I think would have been a cool balance. But as it is, you know, I find besides the day and night, which feels like it feels like Vanaheim's a little too much. It feels like they did everything in Vanaheim. It's a, yeah. it's a little much. For me. I spent basically an entire game of day of an entire day of gameplay, which was maybe like six or seven hours for me just doing the crater as Big soon same. as it was available for me. 
But uh, mm-hmm. for all of those quests, you're right. Yeah, there are a ton of little ghosts. Be like, get the other half of this little toy for me. And but for me, I was hunting the dragons, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna go after this dragon oh, now. Fun. And then on the way to that dragon, I just happened to complete a ghost's quests because I stumbled upon it. And then on my way to this dragon, I was like, oh, look at these little wisps. Yeah, I'll, I'll get these little wisps going. And then fucking giant, whatever those spirit monsters are, pops up. Like, cool, I'll kill you on the way to this dragon. Um, so yeah, cool white. Uh, no, no, not those. The the big ones with like the rune faces that are like, and they're like, oh, the spirit fucking runic, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And the fire one, like yeah, I yeah. love the entry in Kratos's journal. Is like it's just like the ice one, but with fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I will say just briefly touching back on the main quest of this part of the game. This is kind of the part in the game where I was like, man, there are like only so many quests left in this game at this point. And I feel like we are kind of moving at a glacial pace towards Ragnarok. Like, I feel like at this point, we have learned that Freyr is capable of like uniting the elves and like briefly putting a stop to their, you know, interfighting. I feel like we should be getting Freyr over to Alfheim, which is what ends up happening, but it's not exactly how we would have wanted it to happen, IMO. Yeah. And I think yeah. this is where Brand I answered crew. the question where where Brent had asked me, how does it rank? And I was like, I don't know right now. I feel like there's a lot of stuff and a lot of areas and a lot of people. And it's like a little frazzled. Not ever, not. We'll see how it comes together. This is where I started to get a little bit discouraged on how this game might turn out. Yeah, Van Heim crew is not my favorite. I'm like, yeah, okay, Fear's here, I guess. Whatever, he's cool. And then the fucking boar from the first game shows up as a man now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I completely what forgot up, about him. Yep. I'm with you. This is the part of the game where the pacing's like, and again, I was also choosing to do all the side stuff, but this is definitely the point of the game where it's like, all right, yeah. can we just get to Ragnarok? Yeah. Although one of the best quests in the whole game is here where you have to find the mysterious orb and you go, yeah. oh yeah, the dog. <laughs> just be a yeah, tennis ball for her story. giant fucking pig dog. Yeah, pretty great. Uh, and then after that, we have chapter 14, Unlocking the Mask. This is where uh, Atreus uh, returns back to Asgard so that he can go with Thor to Niflheim uh, so that he can retrieve the last mask fragment for Odin uh, before returning back to the house at the realm in between, only for it to be revealed that, in fact, da-da-da, Tyr was actually Odin all along, uh, and just before he's able to escape, he manages to take Brock's life. Uh, obviously, like the Thor stuff in Niflheim, you know, pretty good. Great to kind of play alongside him is, uh, you know, once more. Uh, the drinking stuff was interesting. Uh, I, I saw some people uh, on like social media saying that they thought that stuff was a little bit trite, but I, I thought it was well done and I feel well set up. I, like the I, bar I loved it. Yeah, you're in a drunken brawl at a bar. Like how how often do you no, get to play that in a game? And it was it just rolled out clear. so well too. Just to be clear, the stuff that people were complaining about was not the bar fright, but specifically Thor having a drinking problem, like that kind of stuff. Oh, gotcha. I, I, I liked it. Uh, I, I thought it was well done, but some people were like, mm, I, I don't know if we need to have this extra kind of subplot in here, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it feels like what a man child would do. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It, it seems love- like the kind of thing he would turn to having a father like Odin. Yeah. You know? I love the confrontation, too, that happens right outside the tavern, too, with uh, with Thrud. Where she's just like, all right, this is happening again. I thought we were over this. And she's like the adult in the family now, like chastising dad who's drunk on the ground about to throw up. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, you know, reveal that Tyr was actually Odin Odin all along. I thought this was 
a great twist. You know, I was in reflecting back on my time with this game, I was, you know, thinking back on my time with The Last of Us Part Two, And I feel like that game kind of ends on a similarly big momentous twist where it's revealed that part of the reason why Ellie was so fanatical about seeking revenge for Joel's killers is because the night before Joel died, he kind of tried to rekindle his relationship with her. And she's distraught that basically that opportunity for them to reconcile got taken away from her. And personally, like the, the more and more I reflect on it, the more and more I feel like it was a mistake that The Last of Us Part Two held that off until the very end. I feel like they should have established that way sooner so that we would have understood the kind of hurt that Ellie as a character was going for and why she was doing the things that she was doing in that game. Um, you know, this game, the twist of uh, Tear to Secretly Being Odin is like kind of on the same level as that in terms of importance, but I feel like it doesn't really, it, it doesn't really kind of like mess with the kind of like overall kind of motivations sort of of characters or like attempt to do some like last minute retro conning kind of fixing of why characters were sort of doing certain things. All it really does is it just serves as a great surprise and like serves to kind of help further justify the, the logic of, you know, why things have been going so far in this game. And again, ties into, you know, Odin not wanting to, there to be any war, trying to kind of lead Kratos and Atreus astray and kind of lull them into this idea that it's better to try and seek peace instead of war. Um, there are two things about this, this chapter, one that I hate, one that I like. One, I hate that this is what Niflheim became in Ragnarok. Like Niflheim was one of was where I spent so much time in 2018, uh, doing the it was basically you know a roguelite inside of God of War, with yeah. the mist and all that kind of stuff, and I fucking loved it. And so I was so pumped to return to it to find out then it's just a tree of ravens and then this one tiny section that you explore with Thor. So I was I was like devastated that that made it that Muspelheim made it in, but Niflheim didn't. Um, and so that bummed me out. But what I but what made up for it was when Loki slash Atreus smashes the little rock that Sindri gave him to come back and uh, Kratos was waiting there the whole time and I think slightly later in the thing they're like you mean you were just waiting there for me the whole time you weren't I assumed you'd be off you know exploring or finding treasure and all that kind of stuff and I think it was Mimir who said like no he's like worried to shit for you the whole time it's like oh that was another big moment for, for Kratos as a dad just developing a little bit very cool. And Brock died. Yeah. That was, again, I'm not and a crybaby. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, damn, Odin. I cried. Asshole. I'm a little that baby. Was a, that was a good twist. Yeah. You're a baby? Yeah. yeah, it happens. Mm. There's babies in all of us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there are babies in all of us. Wow. Well, just that, like that's skeletons. That's a box quote right over there. God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> there are babies in all of us. Uh, and then from there. We have uh, a pretty short chapter, chapter 15, Hunting for Solace. This is where Kratos and Atreus go back home briefly, try to hunt a deer, realize that they're running away from their problems, and so they return back to the house in between the realms and basically coordinate how they're going to uh, reunite the people of all the realms so that they can take on Odin's forces at Asgard. I, I really loved you know, how much the first half of this level was a throwback to that very first mission in the original God of War. I'm still really curious what is going on with that one particular elk that they were hunting because it had that elk. It, that was the same elk that they were hunting in the previous game, right? 
because it looked almost identical. No, they they killed the one in the in the first game. Did they? Yeah, because Atreus had to stab it, and he was real upset about it. And Kratos goes to like pat mm. him on the back, and then he chooses not to. Oh right. Right, right, right. right. Close your heart I'm to, to it. I'm trying to think. Yeah, close your heart to it. And there was a callback actually in this particular chapter of close your heart to it too. Okay, okay. I think I might be I might be conflating the the deer that you fight in the first game with the troll that kind of emerges out of nowhere that I know mm. Atreus also gets real angsty around. Uh, yeah, I still don't understand what's going on with their antlers looking all weird and magical. The game never really delves into that, which I think is odd. Yeah. Um, there was a second one in Vanaheim I saw that was had those magical looking antlers. And I was like, oh, fuck, did I miss a, a winter deer or a, an autumn deer? And I was like, oh, no, it's just a regular deer. It just has magical yeah. antlers. Yeah, that's weird. Um, we've already touched on this, but it is a little bit disappointing that the chapter concludes with everyone being given different tasks about how they're going to unite the peoples across the realms. And it's like, ah, we're not going to actually go to Elfheim and see the light elves and the dark elves make good. We're not going to actually get to go to uh, Helheim and see uh, what's his face in the mirror, like uh, rally the troops of the undead to fight on their behalf. It was kind of like, hmm, hmm. I will say, after the last section being in Vanaheim for so long, I was like, you know what? We can fucking fast forward through this. Uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> and we get to go get Surtur, which is the most interesting thing yeah. out of all the allies you need to go get. So, sure. I'm like, cool. I, I, like, I, I don't disagree with you, Adam, about like the game kind of fast forwarding things a little bit at this point. I, I like the game being like, you know, we don't like want to out Sarah welcome anymore. I just, look, I wish that some of the other chapters leading up to this one in retrospect had been about the stuff that this chapter uh, sets up to happen off screen basically mm -hmm, yeah. uh but jumping on to what you were just saying yeah next up Ooh. chapter 16 the summoning which is where kratos and atreus go to muspelheim to turn surter into ragnarok it, it's kind of like i mean this is a pretty sort of simple and straightforward chapter but again it is kind of a lot more what I expected this game to be like, going to different realms, meeting up with people, being like, hey, will you join our cause in taking on Odin at Ragnarok? Uh, and I thought that Surtur's whole little story about him not wanting his, you know, love of his life to die uh, and wanting, you know, Kratos to turn him into Ragnarok via this hackneyed way with his Blades of Chaos was actually pretty cool. Uh, and the final boss fight with the Valkyries at the end was pretty cool, too. This was, yeah, I think, my I, favorite chapter of the entire to. game. I, really? As soon as That's I, good. as soon as I beat, first of all, the spark of the earth, or spark of or whatever it's called, that place where that arena, yeah, that arena where he takes you and he he like asks you to stab him in the heart and he turns into the monster that's gonna help them in Asgard. Like that is one of the coolest fucking environments I've ever seen in any game. But then you fight two Valkyries, and your son's a bear, and you're fighting alongside your bear son. I literally after I after I beat that that fight, I texted the group chat and I was like, "I think I just fought the coolest boss fight I've ever fought in my life." <laughs> and it's they amazing. do that hero pose when he's yes. a bear, and then Kratos is just like, "Again, I've got screenshots of that that <laughs> could play if OBS was being nice." But yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I I I no joke. I took a screenshot of that exact moment and I posted it when I beat the game too, Adam. Uh, sorry, Chad. Yeah. Well, real thanks. good cool. thanks real good. <laughs> now, i will just say real quick i'll give both of you like. credit actually okay. chad and oh, adam cool. thank, thank you, you. <laughs> thank you uh i also like again Surter's like 
uh, Trace is like, hey, you have to you have to meet up with your wife and combine whatever that means to make this big monster. Sex. He's like, how about this? I know, <laughs> I know that's what it is. Uh, he's like, how about this? I'll be your monster. I'm not doing that shit. I'll do it my own way. Again, another person taking prophecy and doing what the fuck they want. Yeah. With it, which is pretty cool. And there from there, uh, we have chapter 17, The Realms at War, a.k.a. All Hell Breaks Loose because they bring Ragnarok to Asgard. Lots of stuff happening in this chapter. Uh, I'm just going to say uh, right here, right now, that I I loved the kind of dilemma that they faced where they're like, oh shit, if we kind of let things go as we were originally planning them to go, a whole lot of innocent people are going to die. So we're going to have to kind of hack Nia less kind of brutal way into Asgard. Didn't love some of the ways that they hacked their way into there. I, I kind of felt like the, the the whole entire game, we've been hyping up how at some point uh, Ragnarok, the, the manifestation of Ragnarok created from Surtur is going to find this weakness in the walls of Asgard and he's going to use it to break through. And I didn't love how ultimately that just ended up being them finding this one glowing section of the wall and being like, all right, uh, Sindri, do your thing, and then Sindri just immediately destroys it. I kind of feel like they could have made that thing a little bit more of a moment of like, all right, we have all these clues. How can we like figure out the solution from these clues and what it is that we're supposed to do? I enjoyed that twist because it it became... I, I think all of our game was leading up to that point where Sindri hits that thing, breaks the wall, kills a couple of people of the Midgardians. And then we realize, fuck, this plan's not going to work. And instead, it now becomes about how do we stop that monster we let loose? Like, how do we stop mm. Surtur and the, the the giant monster that's going to cause Ragnarok? And we got to buy as much time as possible so that we can do this a more efficient, less with fewer casualties. Like, so I, I kind of like that there was a twist there where we've been preparing for this, but now that we're here on the battlefield and we had a wrench thrown and everything, we got to figure out a different way to do it. I thought that was really cool. Sure. Also, I just, shout I, out to the soundtrack during this whole section. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, before that, I don't want to stop you guys. Again, the whole scene in the tent is fucking, that's really good. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I'm sorry I glossed that over. It's just there's well, so I much mean, in the it's game not to in cover. The, yeah, but I do love. This is my favorite part where we have the the dreams with the wife. Yeah, um, and mm -hmm. this it all culminates in this one. She's like, "Hey, like, you know, take care of Atreus, do the whole thing with Atreus." And that fucking song that might be better than the theme. Whenever they touch their heads together, mm -hmm. uh, in his dream, ooh, that song hits hard. But I love yeah, he's telling that story about like, uh, you know, the old man asked for death to come, and then he's like, "Wakes up, Daddy, go tell me it later." It's like, oh, is, is Kratos like says he's fucking tired of fighting? He's like willing to die here. But then, of course, we get that later. But I do like the whole tent scene where we get, you know, all the emotional stuff and yeah. the payoff about the the, the wife dreams. Even, uh, the, even just like the small thing stuff. of like, Atreus, you're a big boy now. Like, you get your own tent. You need your rest. And they're like, cool, you go. You take off your armor. You hang up your weapons. And then there's just like, Atreus is at the tent door. He's like, can I stay with you? I was like, oh, reminds me when I was a little kid and I'd come to my parents' door. I'm like, I threw up. Can I sleep in your bed? <laughs> a big game for big babies inside of us. Yeah. say? Uh, but then, yeah, I do, uh, just in general, I like how, like, our Sindri's pissed because fucking why wouldn't he? Again, yeah. he's the one going through the revenge arc now. And I love how he, every time he shows up, he's just fucking pissed. Yep. And he's like, let's fucking kill him and get this shit over with because I fucking hate all of you. What I, um, Yeah, what I love, love about Sindri. it is like the reveal that like up until this point, we've kind of looked at Sindri as kind of being, you know, this 
comic relief character. He's always so obsessed with everything being sanitary around him. And I love this sort of reveal that, like, actually, Sindri is, like, super duper strong and can, like, really fuck people and fuck shit up. But, like, he just chooses not to be that kind of person until he was tipped over the edge by Brock's death. I thought that was really cool. I love, too, that the whole trope of him just being, like, the most cleanly person for an entire game and a half. And now he's just, like, covered in blood and dirt and shit. And he's like, I don't give a shit anymore. Let me explode this entire city. Yeah. And then we get the whole, the battlefield scene is cool again. Fenrir's there with Angraboda. She's like, I'm doing my own prophecy. And then young Snake is there. And it's like, "Uh, I'm not old yet. You'll see (laughs) me in 2018. I'll be old. Um and then yeah everyone shows up and we have the big battle and everyone's there yeah this is cool before we actually get to the house yeah kind of kind of wish we had been a little bit more up close with the kind of snake fight with thor uh, i when when thor blasted the snake back into the past i was like oh, okay i see what's happening there i understand that it just kind of felt a little bit it, it, it f- didn't feel as consequential of a moment compared to the way that i felt like the first game hyped it up to be but I mean, there's so much kind of going on in this last chapter that it's like, I can kind of forgive it for being like, look, that happens. We got it. We check that box. Let's get on to the next thing. Yeah. I mean, think how hard you have to get punched to get punched back in time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Holy shit. I, I forgive it because the rest of the pacing from here on out was perfect. Like, the way things progress, you slide through combat. Like, the the combat, you feel powerful enough that you can take everything out. Like, I was playing on, for most of the game, regular mode. And I didn't die until the final, final part of Odin's battle. So I was just, like, everything through here was just... It was so well-paced. And again, the music driving you forward the whole time. So, like, I was okay that we didn't have to take any extra time than we needed here. Because it was just progressing at the exact perfect speed that it was supposed to. Mm. Yeah, once you break down that wall and you're going down the hill, it's like, yeah, it's fucking it's going. So, you know, talking about Odin and Thor, how did you guys feel about Kratos's fight with Thor and Kratos prevailing over Thor? Because immediately after I beat the game, I was chatting about it with a friend on a Discord server who had also recently beaten the game. And he was like, you know, I didn't really love Kratos uh, surviving the end of the game because I feel like it would have been better if he died. I was like, you know, I like Kratos surviving the end of the game because I like the stuff that they set up at the mural at the end and him becoming a hero, which we'll we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But if I got to be honest, I do feel like the final confrontation he has with Thor, I mean, it kind of, I feel like it kind of touches on sort of the same issue guys, you guys were talking about with Heimdall, where it's like, is there's just it doesn't feel like there's that much of a strong justification of why he wins this fight like when that entire fight was happening i'm kind of like this feels like i'm almost getting shades of like man of steel like the dark knight rises kind of just punch harder moments from those movies where it's like this guy is like you're superior in every way how do you beat him you kind of just got to hit harder and i i know that like at this point in the game you know kratos is exercise his muscles quite a bit he has a bunch of new weapons including the drop near spear he's not the same person that he was at the beginning of the game and he is also a lot more motivated to you know remain alive and protect his friends than he was at the beginning of the game but i don't know i didn't i'd be lying if i said that i fully bought him defeating thor but maybe you guys could illuminate me a bit i mean i i 
Kratos is a god, and that's something that I I think through a lot of this is easy to forget because he's so restrained in these two games. But like, yeah, he's a god that has freaking killed Zeus. Uh, he's he's wiped out the entire pantheon of Greek gods. So like, I didn't buy that Thor was that much stronger than him. I felt like they were evenly matched. But I do uh, kind of like the Man of Steel way, where it's like we just it. How can you how can you create an entire fight, an entire rivalry across the entire game, just about two men? who have a weapon that they throw and recall that has some kind of elemental powers. Like it's kind of that Marvel MCU. We're going to fight the same version of ourselves, but evil kind of thing. It was like, yeah, you can only go so far with that. So like I bought that he could have overcome him, but uh, the fight itself was, I thought really, really cool. As cool as they could make it for them being basically the same thing, but one's fat and one's fit. Mm. Yeah, I do. Um, just like how the ending of that fight where Kratos is like, hey, I don't have to do this. We yeah. don't have to do this at all. Mm. And Thor stands up to his dad just to immediately get fucking stabbed by Odin. And then Odin's yeah. like, you killed my boy. You killed my son. Why would you come to my house and kill my son? It's like, bro, you're fucking the piece of shit. You fucking did yeah. it. You literally just stabbed your son in the face. Uh, I love, so I love yeah, when Kratos I like, too. He says like, we don't have to do this. Like, And Thor's like, why? And he's like, because... Because our kids are friends, <laughs> and I respect that. And it's like, oh god, it's like you're getting a fight. Two at the parents school. who hate each other. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And yeah, but then Odin though. Uh, from there, we kind of transition into the epilogue of the game after the fight with Odin, and Atreus decides, you know what? I'm sorry, Dad, uh, but sorry, uh, Chad. Can you do the line again? Which one? From oh. the end of the game. Oh, hold on. Before we get there, I let's talk about how the end, like Atreus takes notes from his dad whenever he, whenever we kill Odin. Well, kill Odin. Yeah. Atreus is, uh, he sees his dad do it with Thor and now he's just like, I got to do this with Odin. Or his dad do it several more times. He's like, I don't want to kill you, Odin. Can you please just be a good dude? And Odin's like, nope, I can't be a good dude. He's like, fuck. All right. I'm going to save your soul in this little marble. Uh, as a way of just like containing you and all of your evil. And then Sindri just shows up and he's just like, nope, we came here to kill this fuck and I'm going to kill this fuck. Bam, smash. So I'm going to get my revenge. Yeah. Got me fucked up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, what's the line though that you were looking for? Oh, no. he, was, he was looking afterwards after you like travel through yeah. and you say goodbye oh, to dad. Okay. And he's like, I got to go. Like, I hope you understand. He's like, yeah. Loki will go. Atreus will stay. <laughs> and he yeah. points to his heart and she's like, ugh. Father and son that uh, father and son decide that this will be the natural order of things. And at the very end, uh, Kratos sneaks a peek at the other side of the mural, sees himself as a great hero. And I really love this moment because as somebody, you know, who grew up playing the old school God of War games, there was just something really touching about watching Kratos realize, oh, wow. Not only do people look up to me and see me as a hero or a hero in the making, but I myself actually care about people seeing me as a hero after spending a lifetime resigning myself to being the villain, resigning myself to kind of nihilistically believing that there's sort of no point to this brutality and chaos. I actually care about the idea of being a good person and doing good and trying to kind of better the world as a whole. And I thought that was a a very 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 strong moment great growth on the part of kratos and you know uh sad to see atreus go but clearly clearly they'll be able to kind of you know handle both themselves on their own how wild is it that we're able to talk like this about kratos can you imagine talking like this in god of war one two and three and ascension and ghost of sparta like 
No, there's no way we could even have any depth. Like, there was no depth to him at all. And now it's just like, all this minutia about him. Because he got married. Wasn't that mural from his well, wife? Well, he was, he was already married. In fact, remember he killed his wife. And, oh, maybe you haven't played well, the first game. They're dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're dead, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But I believe the mural was, like, all about, like, she made that, right? Well, and she's like, look at how great you oh, can was, be. Yeah. Was it, or whatever. Was it Kratos' wife? I, feel, I, I remember was, he mentions his wife. I don't know if she if she draws I, him, I but I know he mentions her. I thought it was who did the... Uh, thing. I know she does some of them because because anyway, her style regardless. her style of like the thing on the other side was like very similar to the one that Kratos looked at. So mm. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, yeah. it was like, oh look, I have the son. And my wife taught me to be a better person, so I can become a hero and be a better person. Just a fun ending. And yeah. uh, from there, it, it's technically not a main path mission. But if you want to cue the credits proper, you have to uh, take care of the favor of Viking Funeral, which is TLDR Brock's funeral. Uh, even though I didn't love Brock earlier on in this game, uh, I thought this funeral was still a pretty strong emotional send off to his character. And the music that played during the credits that followed was very, very somber and very, very good. Yep. Loved it. This is the like the one cut to black, and because in the first game, after you drop your mom's ashes, it's just credits on the side, and you keep walking. Right. Yeah. This is the only cut to black that the games have. So like that is like the ending of. Was there one? There was the and after you go home in the first game, and you see Thor come down. Oh, that's I think you where you Thor, get another you cut get, to black. Yeah. So that's how you know the game's over because you actually right. got cut to black yeah. credits. And I mean, cool. impressive. On Which, their by part, the way. Go after on. after knowing that about 2018 that there was that extra little scene uh if you go home in this game like home home you can pick up atreus's journal and, and you combine it with your own journal so you have all of your information about the places oh. that you've traveled as well as atreus has all in the same I, book I, I i've played a little bit of the post game i actually was not aware that you could do that so i'm definitely going to go and do that yeah i haven't been back to the house yet. I, I was going to say pretty impressive restraint on this game's part that they did not insert a like final little like cutscene tease of what they're working on next you, you know that there's going to be like another god of war game but the game doesn't really make it super obvious as to what exactly is coming next unless what i like about this theories. is that well cory barlog has said about a year ago maybe two years ago that this Ragnarok is the end of this saga yeah. uh, of God of War. They're like, if we made a trilogy, it's way too many years to be telling the story. It's way too long for this to come out. So we want to we want to wrap up this story. So like this is like the end of this. But I think I I would not rule out a similar to like Uncharted Lost Legacy or like a infamous First Light, like a standalone chapter. I wouldn't rule out something where you could play as like it's a a team up between Atreus and Angraboda, or maybe a few chapters with Atreus, and now Throod with Mjolnir. Throod with Mjolnir? Yeah. Ooh. Like, I think that would that could be a cool spinoff that we, like, tie up some cool story ends in this saga without necessarily continuing with a full-fledged third game in this, th in this series. Yeah, because you'd have to, because if you think about whatever happens in the future... Like, Loki probably won't be a main character if they do another thing. It'll just be even older Kratos somewhere completely different after he's been a hero of this world or whatever. Yeah, like, so, go get another wife and another <laughs> and uh, another realm. And, uh, his third kid. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I, I think, like, a side thing with, with Throod and Loki, maybe a little bit older, would probably make sense. But... Mm. They'll figure something out with Kratos in the future. I don't know what it'd be. Though. Do you think that this this Lost Legacy style game would take place within 
the nine realms or do you think it would take place somewhere outside of them because this game like in the previous one does drop some hints to other pantheons other places around the world that you could imagine a future god of war game taking place but at, at least based on what i discovered it didn't seem like the game pointed to like one place over the other I imagine because of because of Atreus's like desire to know more about himself and where he's from and all that kind of stuff. If this happens and he's the main character, I, it's going to be Jotunheim's way more expanded. It's going to be about these nine realms and him exploring mm -hmm. kind of his purpose and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. There was um, again. I go ahead. I know it's a meme, but Kratos fighting Jesus does sound funny. It does. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. I mean, Jesus saying, and Abraham. And <laughs> if we are uh, saying in that kind of geographical area, uh, there was a comic book series that was published not too long ago uh, called God of War Fallen God that depicts the events like immediately after God of War 3. And in those games, uh, sorry, not in those games, in that comic, uh, uh, Kratos actually travels to Egypt briefly and encounters uh, mm. the Egyptian god Toth. Toth? Toth? How do you pronounce his name? No idea. Haven't played Assassin's Creed Origins in a while. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> -O he encounters T-H-O-T-H. -H. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like E-T, the extraterrestrial. That when I say it over like there. That. Hey. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, would be interesting to see them eventually mosey on there, but you know, I have to imagine it's probably going to be quite some time before we see the big next kind of section of the God of War saga unfold. Uh, and so, yeah, on that note, are there any other things that we want to discuss in relation to the game? Any side quests that we didn't touch on? Any? I got one line of dialogue that's fantastic. Again, Go for it. sitting in a boat with Mimir and... Because I remember when we first played Atreus and he tries to punch through the chest and he can't do it because he's a weak little boy. Um, and it's a really funny yeah. moment. And he has to use the arrow. And when you're in the crater, he's like, dead. Like, he's like, what's up with what's up with the god muscles, man? How does this work? <laughs> and Mimir's like, when you reach a certain age, you will get god strength. He's like, Thor doesn't have to work out. That's why he's a big old chunky boy. It doesn't matter. You'll get god strength. If you want the physique of a god, that's what you got to put work into. Yeah. So I like that. Because he's like, Baldur's like fucking skin and bones. He's like, yeah, but he's a god. He doesn't need to work out. But if you want to look like your daddy, you got to do some work. Was this? But you'll still be strong as fuck eventually. When was this? Because I don't seem to recall ever encountering this line. And now that I'm in the post game, I don't think I can. No, I was just. That was somewhere uh, where you were playing the crater. Was it in the crater? Yeah, it's after you the... flood in the river in the crater, and mm. he just—it's just a random line that pops yeah. up. But yeah, he's like, "When do I get strong?" He's like, "All gods are super strong. It'll happen. But if you want to get buff, you got to work out." Which I thought. Was but really yeah, Trace, yeah. you definitely—you definitely miss it, Alex. But Trace has to be yeah. there, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. now yeah. the end is all Freya. So, I feel really bad that I missed that line because I do love that little bit of like world building. Like, hey. Nobody ever really addresses this really obvious aspect of these games. Can somebody explain why everyone is so freakishly powerful? That's <laughs> kudos to you for pointing that out to me because yeah, I completely missed that. Yeah, because even because you, when you're in Ironwood and you like lift the the columns up, and Angry Boat is basically doing all the lifting. She's like, yeah. Like, I'll get my giant strength eventually, but my grandma gives me this food that makes me stronger as a kid or some shit like that. I don't remember. But yeah, kids are weak. You turn 18, all the God strength comes. <laughs> all of it. 
Oh, kind of, kind of in the opposite direction from the God Strength stuff, but not exactly. A small little moment in the game that I really, really loved was the meal that Kratos and company have shortly after they first reintroduce uh, oh, Tyr yeah. into their house. Thanksgiving. I loved <laughs> the moment where uh, Kratos is like given this bowl of like gruel or meat or whatever it is and he's like how is it that how is kratos going to eat from this bowl of food he just takes a knife and just stabs it in the meat just puts it in his mouth <laughs> eating his sausages and they're like yeah i mean i guess that's i guess that's how kratos from greece would eat a bowl of meat i guess that's appropriate <laughs> i just i love those little moments of like what what is it like for kratos to do this very mundane thing that we would otherwise never see him do Anything there are two side quests that um, one I just want to call out because I didn't really understand the gravity of it until I read this article on pushsquare.com. But you guys remember the endless campfire with like the rainbow mm -hmm. smoke and the the couple and you collect the different ingredients for their is this anywhere you saw like yeah. the green heart with the runes in it. It's in the lake of lake of nine. Yeah, it's the, in the, lake the of campfire nine. is. You might not have found it. It's just up on a big a hill, and you get to collect ingredients. Yeah, you go. You have to go collect ingredients from like four different realms. Uh, but that whole thing, apparently, there's a couple at Santa Monica, Sam and uh, frick, I forget his name, Josh, something with a J, uh, Jake, Sam and Jake, at Santa Monica, and they wanted to put something in the game, and it was originally just going to be like a heart with runes for their name somewhere in the game, oh. and then in 2020, Jake died. And mm -hmm. so Sam was like, he went to one of the directors or something like that. I was like, can we still put this in the game? And the director's like, we're going to make it a quest. So this whole thing is just about exploring there because they like to cook and share food and all that kind of stuff. So that's, this whole quest is a tribute to Jake, who used to work at Santa Monica and was Sam's partner. There's a specific spot in Vanaheim where you see like S and J or or like the runic versions mm -hmm. of their names surrounded by a heart. Like yeah, a heart I guess thing. I guess that's, so that's a where, to that's where that the side quest. Yeah, every time you see that, there is an ingredient somewhere nearby that you can pick it. up. Okay, I guess I guess I haven't unlocked the side quest yet, and I guess once I do that, that's where, mm. I, where I'll have to go. It'll Got pop it. up. Got it. Yeah, you'll find a campfire in the Lake of Nine that has rainbow smoke, and that's where it starts. It's the eternal Got campfire. Got it. Uh, the other side quest, um, Alex. I don't know. You mentioned you haven't finished all of them yet, but I assume you did this one for the platinum. Uh, have you I, gone to the prison? I, for the record, I don't have the platinum yet. I oh, you don't have the have platinum to. yet? Okay. Yeah, but have you bought, have this, you been is, to the this is the, the official, uh, like, Respawning Fire spoiler cast. You can go ahead and yeah. spoil it. I'm going to get to it in a okay. matter of hours from now, so it's fine. Have you been to the prison in Niflheim yet? Oh, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Got it. Yeah, so, like, so good. you actually get to discover Tyr, and you're like, oh, shit, you've been here the whole time? Or, yeah. I, not the whole time. He was in the Asgardian prison that then ended up in Niflheim afterwards. But, yeah. But yeah, actually discovering Tyr. Because I assumed once we found out that Odin was Tyr the whole time, I was like, oh, fuck, Tyr really did die. And he was dead. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, Tyr was, was like, dead. Fuck, yeah. all these prophecies were right. And he, he wasn't alive and it was all a trick. I'm like, oh, no, he was just in that Asgardian prison. He acts completely. I mean, of course, he's not the same person, but he's just like, the fuck's going on? It's like, yeah. oh, Ragnarok, we were, Odin's dead. We've, we've done the thing already. He's like, oh, shit, well. <laughs> Yeah, here I am. And I, I will say, I did like the, the little explanation that Mimir gave of like, uh, Tyr had to be alive for Odin to impersonate him. This whole prison yeah. was for mm. him to be able to hold captive all the people he impersonates because that's how the magic spell works. I thought that was like a, a smart little bit of writing. Yeah. All right. I think that's, that's it. it. Would you guys recommend this game? 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think you might want to wait until it's on a little bit discount. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Ten of ten. Get uh, it now. Play yeah. it twice. Get two platinums. E- even though you, we year. all had our collective ups and downs uh, over the course of this game, the game is still like a real accomplishment. And I think that you're you're definitely a, a lesser gamer for not checking it out. I said it. Ooh, shots fired. Whoa. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Alex, for leading this whole conversation. Excellent. Hey. I loved it. Loved it. Thank you. Um, that's it. We don't do sign-offs or anything like that. Alex, where can where can people find you outside of this as uh, a non-RAF person? Of course, you can find me, as always, on Twitter, at Alex Kazina. Uh, however, I also joined a little platform called Hive Social, and you can find me over there, at Cozy Bear. My plan is to still stick to Twitter for as long as I possibly can, but if things go kaput on the Bird website, you can join me on the Bee website there. Dope, dope. Adam, do you do a live play podcast? Oh, I do an actual play. Actual I don't play. know That's what my live called, play sorry. is. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Yes, I love Misfit Rolls D&D uh, podcast where you have fantasy stuff and wild times. So yeah, wild Misfit Rolls times. on Twitch. And uh, I love Misfit Rolls is a podcast. Check it out. Wild times. <laughs> wild times. <laughs> I love it. All right, everyone. Catch us on our normal episode Sundays on twitch.tv slash idiots or on demand on Tuesday. And that's it. We're done. I'll play the, the theme song from God of War one more time on our out. <laughs>